on Valentine's Day around the world, one billion rising to campaign to end violence against women and girls. The big issue, of course, how we make this a revolution that's here not for a day, but to stay, to actually shake up the corridors of power of status quo's. This, of course, as Senior Minister Vaila Ravi says he's sorry for this sexist remark, but is an apology enough? Just listen to what he said. I said, I feel sorry, that's all. But it was not deliberate, it is, I always joke with the journalist. So, 75-year-old cabinet minister saying this was a joke. It wasn't a joke, it was deeply sexist and offensive. And the journalist certainly didn't take it as a joke. We're asking, is it enough an apology? Will it actually change his mindset? Will he just be careful that next time he's not caught on camera? Also on the show tonight, our NDTV exclusive, is this the huge cover-up? Two years after the Commonwealth Games scam, a CBI status report basically says that in 29 cases, they haven't found one politician accountable. In fact, some of the cases are closed, five are under trial, and most of those charged are officials and unknowns. Recommendations by a panel set up to look into the CWG scam have mainly been ignored. So Rachel Mahdi is only named in one case is on trial. The other 29 are against unknowns. That's our special focus also on India Decides at 9. So a lot coming up on the show. But first, tonight's top headlines. We'll also be tracking the corruption trail in the Augusta Westland deal. Has this opened a Pandora's box into other deals as well? We bring you the latest. Vishnu Shom joins us with his special and also Sunetra Chaudhary from Milan. But first, the top headlines tonight. A.K. Antony writes to Augusta Westland asking, did you pay bribes to Indian officials? If so, writes the minister, we will cancel the deal. Meanwhile, the BJP targets the UPA, saying changes to helicopter specifications may have been suggested in the NDA regime, but were signed by then Defence Minister Pranam Mukherjee in 2006. P.J. Kurian meets Sonia Gandhi to give his defence to charges that he raped a young girl 17 years ago. Sources tell NDTV that he may step down as deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha before the parliament session, but there is no official confirmation of this yet. The day after he rejects the mercy petition of four men, Virappan's aides, convicted of killing 22 policemen in landmine blast. VIP securities at the cost of ordinary citizens, says the Supreme Court, but praised politicians like P. Chidambaram and George Fernandez for refusing security. The court also asked for details of VIP security costs from all states and the centre within a month, including for politicians, their families and celebrities. The Kolkata police chief is transferred after college violence in Kolkata in which a policeman was shot dead. The chief minister, Mamta Banerjee, meanwhile visits the slain cop's family, saying that she's not happy to transfer the senior police commissioner. But the way the police have handled the case, it was not right. Tripura records the highest ever polling in the country, 93%. A record turnout there as a chief minister, Manik Sarkar, India's poorest politician, fights to retain power. And from Uttar Pradesh to Karnataka, depressingly familiar scenes, chaos incites assemblies. Ironically, in UP, these protests were to protest against lawlessness. But our top story tonight is, of course, our investigation from Delhi to Milan on the latest on the Augusta Westland deal. And, of course, the report 
the very damaging report in Italy filed in a, pub, in a court by a public prosecutor which details how kickbacks were actually paid. Vishnu Shom has more on that and the Indian government's response as well. Vishnu, it's over to you. Well, Sonia, it's clearly all happening. Now, caught on the back foot, the government of India, some would say belatedly, is finally reacting. Now, the defense ministry has reached out to Augusta Westland and have asked them a very simple, straightforward question. Why should action not be taken against you? India wants Augusta Westland to clarify its position. India wants to know whether indeed Augusta Westland, which in the past has repeatedly denied that it was doing anything wrong, whether indeed this company had middlemen that it was paying for. All of this has to do with the integrity clause, which allows the government, our government, to recover payments and blacklist the company. Because Augusta Westland had in fact said quite clearly that uh, Indian, the Indian government had said absolutely clearly that all of those who participate in this deal must sign the integrity clause. One of those participating in this deal, the Russian company, Kazan and MIL, said in fact they won't sign it at all. But Augusta Westland did. Now that there are middlemen who are quite clearly involved, as that prosecutor's report indicates, will India now seek financial penalties from Italy, from this company? That's the big question. But let's move on, take a look at some of the other points. The BJP, remember, has been attacking the government, saying that why have they taken so long to institute a CBI, uh, a CBI look, an inquiry into this particular scam. But the government says that, look, since so much of the debate is on how the specifications of the helicopter were changed, let's remember it was first changed when the late Brajesh Mishra was the national security advisor of the BJP. And he had said that he didn't want a single vendor situation since only one helicopter fulfilled the requirements. He wanted other helicopters to participate as well. But the point which the BJP counters and says that, look, the deal was not finalized under Brajesh Mishra or the Vajpayee government. It was finalized much later when Pranab Mukherjee was the defense minister of the country. It happened, in fact, relatively recently. So that's a key point that they mention as well. But there are other important aspects of this. This is a new detail. Where did the defense ministry actually get some of the information that there was something wrong? Believe it or not, it got it from another part of the government, the income tax department, which separately had written to the defense ministry saying that they want to investigate the role of middlemen, potentially because there are financial transactions which are happening which are illegal, to which the defense ministry says, let's work together to ensure that that happens. So the income tax department is investigating allegations the government now, this is a really important part which has come out in these reports, which I have a copy of. I, the reports quite clearly mention something, a story which has been doing the rounds. Now, we've been talking about the Augusta Westland VVIP helicopter deal. There is another colossal deal for 197 helicopters that's been put on hold by the government for the moment. Augusta Westland was one of the three helicopters which was actually competing for that tender as well. And earlier on, a brigadier of the Indian Army, a serving brigadier named Brigadier Saini, had in fact told or approached Augusta Westland and had said that he had made contact and offered his services to help eliminate the competition. This is a direct quote from the report itself, the prosecutor's report. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. In a situation like that, Augusta Westland could have turned around and they could have gone to the government and said, there is somebody who is evaluating our helicopters who wants money from us. Did they do that? No, they didn't. They said, in fact, told Saini, wait till this, this entire selection process is over and then we will see. So some would argue that it indicates the willingness of this company to engage people mm -hmm. seeking money illegally. Now, 
The scan exploded after an open succession battle in the Italian firm Finmeccanica. A lot of people want to know, how exactly did this all happen? How did the India link get proven? In a very, very brief couple of sentences, let me explain how that happened. There was an open power succession in the company Finmeccanica, as a result of which one of those who was opposed to the present CEO of the company leaked the information of the India transactions and mentioned that a part of the money which went to India was funneled back into Italy for political support from one particular party. And that party eventually resulted in giving help to the man who is now the CEO of the company, that same CEO who is presently under house arrest. Right, Vishnu. I've also got uh, Sunetra joining us uh, live from Milan, where she is currently now. Sunetra, Vishnu has been discussing uh, the worrying aspects which have come up in that Italian public prosecutor's report. And the key one, of course, being that a, a bribes possibly being paid in the other deal as well, which is on hold. The government announced it was on hold just yesterday. But also, if we go into that report, which you and Vishnu have been studying, the details of the meetings with then Air Chief S.P. Tiagi, very, very worrying considering they met him in uniform. Tell us more about that. They met him while he was in service, while he was in uniform, and specifics of the Augusta Westland deal were apparently discussed according to this report. Yes, Sonia. In fact, that report goes into details, something that uh, Air Chief Marshal Tiagi has denied, but mm -hmm. it goes into details. It says, uh, it even to Hashke, the middleman, alleged middleman in the deal, says, that he has met him six, seven times, and mm -hmm. the first time with his family. And at various points in the report, Sonia, it talks about the fact that at that time, Air Chief Marshal, while he was in office, he met him quite a few times. In fact, he also, uh, the other middlemen also in their testimonies, which is detailed in the report, talk about meeting him in the office as well, which it could be worrying and uh, for the government and embarrassing for the government. In fact, when it talks about it, it says the second time that we met was in Delhi 2005. That's, of course... During the course of the time that uh, Air Chief Marshal was in office, he retired only in 2007. So 2005, he was in office. And it uh, talks about the fact that he met him also at the Aero Show in February, March 2006. And it quotes the report in saying he was still in uniform and came to visit the Finn Mechanica booth. Um, that's, uh, that's the kind of details that the report gives, Sonia. And I can tell you here in Milan, I've been speaking to some of the officials, the Indian officials mm -hmm. in Italy, and they say that the involvement of the then Air Chief S.P. Tiagi, which is detailed in the report, while they knew that the investigations were on, but it did throw them because such a lot of details they didn't have. At the moment, of course, they're in touch with Indian authorities because India's, the CBI is also trying to come over here, so they're trying to work out when that exchange of information about the role of all the other Indian officials can be done with CBI. So they're now working out when is the right time to do that. Uh, Vishnu, one interesting uh, point in the report, and this is, I think, again, why A.K. Anthony has written to Augusta Western, is while it's clear that the middlemen, uh, the Tiagi brothers, were apparently paid, what's not been entirely clear, not at least written in the public prosecutor's report, is which Indian uh, officials, whether it's Air Chief Tiagi, like what is the exact amount actually paid to him. We know that Air Chief Marshal Tiagi has denied this strongly. We've heard many voices come out today, including former Defence Minister Jaswant Singh, saying, look, you can't assassinate a man who's a character who served the nation like this. We must have concrete proof. But given, however, that this is happening in Italy as such, uh, the Italian public prosecutor's office and the investigators have no axe to grind with any of the names uh, mentioned in this report, what is the feeling within the Ministry of Defense and government officials here? Well, Sonia, the, the big point over here is how much money did the former air chief allegedly make? Now, if you look at this prosecutor's report carefully, it says 
it is an unspecified amount of money. But elsewhere, it does specify that there were two tranches of money summing up to close to 51 million euros. Now, of that, there was a tranche of 20 million euros. Of that 20 million euros, a large part of it, the majority of it, went to the Tiagi brothers. These were the cousins of the former air chief. Now, mm -hmm. how much of that money ultimately went from these cousins of the air chief to the air chief himself, we don't know. We don't know if the former air chief made any money at all or whether this was a case of name dropping. And the other smaller part of that 20 million euros went to Mr. Hashka, one of the people who was known to be a middleman in this deal. I think, Sonia, the biggest point over here as we look at these various nuances is that India has a long-standing policy that middlemen cannot be allowed. We can debate all sorts of things in this case about whether Tiagi made money or others made money, but the presence of middlemen quite clearly indicates that this was wrong and this violates the central themes, the th central rules of Indian defense procurement. And Vishnu, of course, in the report, uh, there's also a mention of media and where you have uh, the uh, former CEO who's currently been arrested, Giuseppe Orsi, talking about that, look, buy any journalists if you need to, buy 20 journalists if you need to. So what's interesting also that this is not just about one deal. This seems to be a modus operandi which clearly operates when uh, these arms uh, lobbyists or agents are dealing with India. And that's depressing, really, when it comes uh, when uh, stuff like this comes out. Again, there's no proof of any journalists actually being paid. This is a tapped conversation uh, of Giuseppe Orsi, the CEO who's been arrested. Well, absolutely. And Sonia, I can tell you personally, and having covered many of these defense firms, that a lot of them are very aggressive in trying to reach out to the media. Mm -hmm. But in this particular instance, there was a statement which was made in the prosecutor's report which said pay 20 journalists in a period of one month if necessary get the media on board so this was obviously a company very aggressively trying to pursue two deals and in, in, in many instances this would possibly refer to one of the biggest deals of its class in the world the, the deal for 197 helicopters which is now on hold but possibly for the aw101 vvip helicopter deal as well this was a company desperate right. to win the contact and to pay off journalists the media if necessary right and of course uh, that the future of this deal also now looks increasingly suspect with the stormy parliament session coming up in a Antony's uh, letter there thanks very much uh, vishnu and sunetra for joining me on that but let's just go across to well a more homegrown scam in a sense. And that's something we covered extensively two years ago when the whole Commonwealth Games scam fiasco actually erupted. So then, what was the response? Hand it over to the CBI, they'll take care of it. But look at how it's been taken care of. Rahul Srivastava has a status report the CBI has given to a panel of MPs on what exactly the status is. And Rahul, it's a depressing status, frankly. Yes, Sonia. In the last 36 hours, CBI has yet another high-profile case. Can the nation expect accountability? Will the truth come out on the helicopter deal? If the past cases referred to the CBI are an example, then the answer could well be no. This is the status report submitted to the Public Accounts Committee of the Parliament by the CBI Director. The CBI Director personally deposed before the committee. And what does this report say? That eventually, after two years of the Commonwealth Games and probed by the CBI, the status report shows that 29 cases were worked upon by the CBI, 8 cases have been closed and rest are either under investigation. Only 6 cases are on underway as far as a trial is concerned. You look at the st uh, status uh, in terms that if you look at the status of most of the cases, none of the top people in the organizations or any political face has been held accountable, the lone face being Suresh Kalmadi. Take the case of DDA, estimated loss quoted by various agencies who have looked into the case, Shanglu Panel, CCO, the, uh, the CAG, estimated loss 26 crore. Cases are under scrutiny are only DDA officials, their chief engineers, 40-odd engineers. There are even two draftsmen. 
there are people like who are dealing clerks who the visa cbi is probing one is under legal scrutiny one under inquiry yes. one under investigation and one case has been closed let's take the case of the pwd which carried out tremendous amount of refurbishing as far as our roads and lighting and other things are concerned losses 1300 odd crores mm -hmm. cbi status report says three closed one disposed of cpwd two cases were registered 30 crore worth losses one case under legal scrutiny one under investigation take the case of mtnl the losses over 350 odd crores cbi status report says the case has been closed the cmd the gm and the executive director all are free right one case against the prasar bharti the ceo mr lali gave a contract to one company the case the cbi has filed a closure report in the courts five cases against ndmc two under inquiry only one under trial only unknown officials and some uh, companies which are being probed now let's take the case for example the organizing committee the key section which was held responsible for organizing the games mm -hmm. four are on, only under trial and out of these one final case has been registered now two have been closed suresh kalmadi is under probe in only one case and people like lalit bhanot mr vk varma who is a dg of the organizing committee all are facing just small cases like rental of cars during the commonwealth queens baton relay and other elements exactly. eventually if you look at the case what the shunglu committee dressed by uh, addressed by the prime ministers as one of the high level committee probing 16 crore worth of losses names of uh, sheila dikshit the chief minister the lieutenant governor of delhi had cropped up not only for direct involvement but these are people who are supervisory people organizing a game in the yes. capital not one person from the sports ministry sonia for having organized the commonwealth games and in if this is the rate one can really say that as far as this new chopper deal is concerned not much can be expected in fact rahul stay with us as i go as i introduce uh, my panel today because i think really that's a depressing that's a depressing status report i mean hopefully mp's will pull up and ask for answers but let's just look at what we can get tonight joining me tonight is hitesh jain the lawyer for suresh kumardi i'm also joined by sanjay chha of the congress and nalin kohli of the bjp sanjay chha not just as a congressman but as a citizen as somebody who also spoke out for sufferisty during the commonwealth game scam and said look it's gone to the cbi accountability will be fixed what do you say to a report like this which seems like a complete cover up we've got cases against unknowns we've got cases against officials they surely are not the ones who made decisions which involved the losses of many many crores uh sonia with due respects but i wouldn't like to prejudge the cbi in very harsh terms i mean they have got a job to do and you know i'm sure they're doing it as professionally as possible now what really happens in a lot of these cases is those who are actually corrupt very often destroy a lot of evidence in in the entire in the audit of the financial trail so that getting them to you know have material uh, evidence against them becomes a herculean task and i think that is one of the challenges that any investigating agency in india has i wouldn't at this point you know if you look at it the kingpin of the entire cwg scam was really mr suresh kalmadi mr bhanot etc and there has been a second charge sheet filed and i think it's a very detailed document i did glance through it and there is enough reason to believe that even if the shungli committee report i mean a lot of people from the opposition keep saying that why is that not been implemented in all in all its entirety there's every reason to believe that you've not seen the end of the entire investigation process it is still on i do agree it's taken a little longer time that has always been a, a no, challenge given the way we work no but actually as as our point out is not really that many of us still on in fact many of these cases have actually been closed but uh, Nalan Kohli came in here the congress had washed its hands of Suresh Kumar in a sense and he said oh he's the kingpin of the scam 
but the so-called kingpin, as uh, Sanjay uh, Jha puts it, is nowhere <coughs> in these charge sheets. Even Dalit Bhanot, when he's there, is back as the Secretary General of the uh, of the Olympic, well, it's not Olympic anymore, but the Sports Association of India, in a sense. And there's no question of political accountability, any of the ministers in charge of these departments, even any of the senior most officials in these departments. Who's accountable? No one. I think it's as simple as that. And we've seen that track record throughout. So, you know, it really should come as no surprise, as dismal as it sounds, as dejection it would descend. But the fact remains, no one is. Is because it because there's no evidence? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, one wonders. And let's go one by one. I'll just do one corollary. Let's leave. There are multiple scandals we could discuss. But if we look at the 2G scam, this government and the Prime Minister himself gave clean shits to everyone concerned. The CBI didn't move on anything for 16 months till the Supreme Court stepped in. And when the Supreme Court started monitoring it, the CBI was able to do its job. And the CBI was then able to file, you know, charge sheets, arrest people. And we had the cancellation of 122 licenses. Now, are we to expect that functionality of the investigative agencies can happen? happen only when it's monitored by the Supreme Court. And that's exactly what, as an opposition party, we've been raising. That there are questions of credibility associated with the CBI. There are questions of independence and the questions that, you know, it's being used as a tool to make sure that the guilty actually walk away. One other point, Sonia, and then yes. I'm sure you'd like to throw it open to the others, that the way I've heard Rahul's report, only junior people seem to have been capable and of such knows. mega scams, mega scams. We know there were delays, unknown people got contracts. So either the people sitting on top were grossly incompetent and really didn't know what's happening and down the line everyone was capable of this corruption or it's just the reverse, what we fear that you know the actual culprits are being protected. Hitesh Jain, I'm sure you're going to have a very different view but come in on that. Uh, we've seen your client became the face of the Commonwealth Games scam in a way. Does Suresh Kalmadi claim vindication with the status report, the fact that he's only been named in one case? Does he feel that this proves his point, even though many would say it's the exact opposite? But is that what you and your client feel? Uh, Sonia, I don't think he will uh, claim any vindication and all. It is too early uh, to make any comment. The fact is... He has faced raids. He was in the yeah, he he was in Tihar for eight to nine months. He faced severe probes. There is one FIR. There is one charge sheet. He has to appear in the court on day-to-day -day basis. So as far as he is concerned, he has his own problem and another and coupled with the fact he has to deal with the perception. The problem uh, that is being faced is uh, that uh, I mean uh, I can uh, I I mean he is also facing a lot of scrutiny by a lot of people who without glancing any uh, documents or any material, they make uh, all sorts of comments. But uh, take one case in which mm -hmm. he is charged and somebody should kindly go through the charge sheet, somebody should kindly go through the witness statements and then make, it, make their own conclusion and ask the questions for themselves as to uh, who is the actual proprietor or where does the propriety lie. Rahul, I want to bring you in on that because in a sense, uh, what Mr. Jain is saying, the fact, the perception that the real guilty never get caught because where's the paper trail? Where's the evidence? How is the, where will the CBI get this from? Do you find in the CBI status report is the evidence of the fact that the CBI investigation was carried out in the most professional uh, way possible, or do you feel like Talan Kohli pointed out that look, this is basically is the CBI is used as a tool, tool by the government in a sense? So now the basic element is whenever the CBI wants to do good work, the CBI does good work. If you say, for example, Nanil was talking about the 2G case, the CBI did go to Mr. A. Raja's office. The CBI did go and collect the documents from, from there. And once those documents and files were taken away, 
After that, a lot came out against Mr. A. Raja and all the people they were dealing against. Eventually, in this case, the files have been taken away. But we are talking about draftsmen. Uh, we are talking about dealing clerks. We are talking about 40-odd engineers in the, in, uh, in the DDA. If 40 engineers are actually indulging in rampant corruption and somebody says that the DDA chairman or the uh, Lieutenant Governor and the Chief Minister of Delhi have no inkling, perhaps it's, it's a statement in itself. Perhaps then one can, as Nalin was saying, it's a case of gross incompetence. But also, the CBI has never looked. What we are told by our sources, that before the games were over, several complaints were registered by the CBI. The CBI raids and the income tax raids were to start from the night when the games were over. But In then something happened and it took a long time. But even if we take this case, for example, I've got another status report submitted by the CBI mm -hmm. to the PSE on the coal block allocation. Sonia, till now, not and nothing has been done. In fact, what is happening that several files have been received and the CBI is yet to receive files from coal ministry. There has been no visit by the CBI to the coal ministry. They are waiting for the files to come. Now, if they wait for the files to come, as Mr. Jha was saying, obviously files and evidence can always be destroyed or evidence can be diverted. In fact, Sanjay Shah, come in on that because if you're saying the government's message is that it's tough on corruption, yet we see a CBI when it's monitored by the Supreme Court performing almost a different role than it performs when it has to monitor an investigation against the government which is not monitored by the Supreme Court. Why do we see these two different faces of the CBI? Why do they act with utmost speed in some cases and the, the complete opposite in others? You know, I personally feel, uh, you know, Sonia, that CBI has become everybody's favorite whipping boy. Uh, take an example even uh, where Nalin Kohli, you know, he's, he talks about, you know, the fact that the CBI is only functions under an SIT under the Supreme Court. But, you know, end of day, when, whenever BJP has raised a lot of furore over some problem, they've always asked for a CBI investigation. So it, it's, it's a lot of double standards there. Now, why CBI functions the way it does, we need to understand that it's got a very complex role to play. You know, it looks at financial crimes as looking at some some other kinds of you know human uh, crime besides looking at issues of national Helicopter security deals. so it is it is a it is a challenged institution and therefore I believe at this point it carries this in, and uh, you know because there yes there, nobody can deny that there must have been in the past some degree of political interference in some high profile cases but that doesn't I don't think that should color the entire complexion and character of, of CBI as a politically uh, uh, as a political tool of any government in power I think the bottom line is that even today when you look at this current yes. uh, issue of the VVI helicopter deal I think there is no other institution in this country which has a wherewithal the resources the experience or the expertise to get to the bottom of it no, but because I think it's complex you know it's about no, I, Sanjay, it's about I, dealing with both the criminal as well as the contractual standard, law I would say that both the Congress and the BGP shares that neither of you agreed in the recent Lokpal uh, issue at least to have complete autonomy of the CBI why does every government no, want think, to no. hold on to the CBI in a sense no, le, le, hang on I think I need to correct that in fact, I think one of the areas of disagreement um, between mm -hmm. the Congress and the BJP is about the independence of the CBI. No, but not as in complete autonomy. No, no, you may disagree on appointments. No, no, and no not only yeah, about appointments. And the appointments. transfer of officers. There's also talk about separating the prosecution wing. There are specific things. Now, there, are, there will be a pro and a con to every argument. Now, the point is what Sanjay said. Let's take that first on. 
He says that, you know, we would also like to refer. After all, where would you go with all the corruption cases but to the premier e agency? But what you are expecting is the premier agency to do its duty and ensure that the truth is pursued, the guilty are punished. It cannot become an agency where truth becomes a casualty. Do you now, the question. With the well, it support? is very possible. Unfortunately, that's the perception. If I'll only talk of the most recent of it, last year, a lot of uh, a sitting army chief raised questions about the Tetra trucks. He said, I was offered a bribe. A lot of television time went on to that. Mm -hmm. A lot of talk was there. Where are we a year? Have we seen anyone punished? Every time we hear the defense minister saying that, yes, he enjoys a reputation of being, he possibly is an honest person. But the point is, are we seeing the guilty being brought to book? You don't even get documents which are known in the public domain or which are available with journalists yes. and channels. It takes a year to get it. So, I mean, come on. I think we are testing the, you know, is we are taking it to the realm of incredulity. No, and I think every, with every new case like this is the credibility, the credibility of both the CBI and the government which are at stake. And I think uh, status reports like this just further add to that issue, especially as another scam has now emerged with, well, the CBI is looking into. Uh, thank you all very much, uh, Mr. Jain, uh, Nalin Kohli, Sanjay Jha and Rahul Srivastava for joining me. Of course, Rahul with that exclusive. Thanks very much. But let's move to the other story of the day. And it's a story which is actually saddening and shocking on a day when we saw one billion rising around the world, both women and men, to protest against violence and crimes against women. But look at what a senior, one of India's senior most cabinet ministers, Viola Ravi, actually said to a young woman reporter when she was asking him about the Congress stand on P.J. Kurian. P.J. Kurian, of course, is uh, charged of being involved in rape by the victim of that rape, though no court has named him. But look at Viola Ravi's shocking comments. Don't worry. Nothing will happen to you. Vala Ravi, look at his body language in that uh, statement, look at his uh, comment, the way he made that comment, he's apologized and said it was meant as a joke and even the woman reported took it as a joke, but she didn't, she was very offended, very hurt by that. Not just her, there have been protests uh, by the BGP in Kerala as well and women's activists. Now, as I said, the irony of this coming at a time when around the world, one billion rising is happening today, dance being used to express a way of rising against violence against women. Let's just go across first live to Delhi, uh, one of the epicenter of this uh, campaign of one billion rising and across the country. We'll also go to Mumbai and more on that.
So that flash mob performing live on NDTV. Jago re jago, strike, rise, dance. That's the message of one billion rising. But perhaps the strike and rise should be against that union minister as well. But let me go across to more participants in that campaign. I'm joined uh, by uh, siblings, uh, Farhan and Zoya Akhtar, join me from Mumbai, where they're part of this campaign as well. Also with me, actor Rahul Bose and uh, Sanjay Chah of the Congress is still with me. And Sneha joins me uh, live from uh, Tiruvananthapuram as well with many activists who've come out as part of this one billion rising campaign uh, jo uh, as well. Thanks very much. Uh, Farhan, over to you first and really... The contrast I said today with what a senior minister said, the different mindset and what we're seeing happening not just in India but around the world. Part of the distance and also illustrating the importance of changing mindsets not just of people but people in power. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think at a time there is so much optimism and positivity towards trying to work towards a solution and creating something that could be healthier and better for society. Uh, we always have incidents like this, uh, like the gentleman that you mentioned who said something relatively sexist today. Um, but this seems to be an ongoing um, series of, of guffaws, you know, um, and faux pas. So um, a lot of people are exposing themselves to have a certain kind of mindset. And on one level, I mean, as uh, depressing that that is, um, maybe it's better that we know that these people think like this. So the next time we have to think of them, voting for them, we are aware of uh, what they feel about, about women in general. So how do we make sure this whole, this energy, this positivity, those wonderful uh, visuals, voices coming from across the country and across the world, how do we make this revolution something to stay? How do we take this beyond this one day? Is that for me? Yeah. Yeah, Zoya. Uh, well, I mean, we just have to, we, we, yeah, we have to, I mean, we, we can't stop. We have to keep writing, we have to keep talking, we have to keep having these events. I don't think uh, one event and that marks it and that's done. There's a lot of people working for it every day. Mm -hmm. And the more people join in to the, uh, to, to, to the movement or to, uh, uh, to, to the flow, uh, so to speak, I think it's just going to continue and it's going to get bigger and bigger. And uh, just to say something about this minister, I mean, it's not just a sexist comment. It was completely apathetic. And uh, uh, that, that is what's shocking because, I mean, it's just been one after the other. These people don't yeah. really care. It's, a it's absolute apathy. And uh, uh, since one after the other minister has been saying something this foolish and then retracting it, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, uh, uh, we don't want to yeah. be led by no, apathetic and, and, and fools. No, and, and also, They're not I mean, smart enough to take you, it. I mean, it's true. I mean, how do you retract something that's now out in the public domain that you said? You know, how do you say, oh, I apologize and I withdraw this statement? I don't know how you can withdraw something you said, uh, right. something that's as uh, derogatory as, as this. In fact, let me go across uh, to Sneha, who, as I said, is with the... Uh, she's been talking about the wonderful atmosphere where she's been, again, as part of the One Billion Rising uh, campaign. Sneha, let's go across to you because there's been this huge uh, positivity. Uh, you've been talking about the wonderful campaign where you've seen women come out and dance and men come out to support them. You said in a relatively conservative city, that's been a huge breakthrough as well. Yet, again, a city where there's a lot of anger about what Vaila Ravi said. But go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead and uh, do your report from there. I know you can't hear me with all the noise around you, so go ahead. Yes, actually, this is a, this is usually a very conservative city, and there are a lot of people here today who have actually joined in singing and dancing. The city has witnessed this for perhaps for the first time, where women of the age of between the age of 30s and 40s coming up on stage dancing literally to Bollywood tunes, to traditional folklore. Exactly, people are saying 50s and 60s. Let me go to some of them. You were one of them who drove a bike, yes, which is an Avenger bike, and very uncommon in a city like Trivandrum. Okay. Yes. Why did you choose to do that and why are you part of this today? 
Why can't I do? Because I am a perfect girl. And I want to represent my society that why girls, we, there is no opaque in front of us. We are transparent. And we are really going to show through this OBR that we are just perfect women. Very common voices echoing all over What exactly is the message you want to give to this OBR? It's the message is of course is against violence, but we are showing that we are all women. We are celebrating our freedom, our celebrating our womanhood. As you said, even from the very smallest girl to the 60s and 70s, we all danced, sang and enjoyed and celebrated our freedom. Today. A very uncommon sight here in Trivandrum. We are being we are joined we are joined here by Miss Sonia George, ma'am. We had a recent comment from Mr. Waila Ravi, who made a remark to a reporter, something which was unwarranted for, unwarranted for, uncalled for. What would you say to that? We really oppose it. All the women of Kerala are against it. We never expect such statements or negative comments from no highly respected politician who is a central minister and who is representing uh, no a, a very popular we party. And we are, we are showing. <laughs> You had some strong statements to say about yeah, it. Yeah, it is a violence. It is a sexual harassment at workplace. What violence we told the journalist, we consider it as a harassment at workplace and he should be punished for that. Well, a very, very common voices here, all of them saying the same thing. Things have to change even in a city like Trivandrum. And perhaps the reason why so many of them came to the stage, you should have seen the beach here. They were full of people here dancing to tunes, celebrating their freedom and the right to make their choices. Sonia? Thanks so much for that live update and I love the way the women spoke out and said we want to express our protest with those with those hooting really at the union minister. Hopefully their voices will reach him. But Sanjay Chah, just to ask you that, that very valid point made that this is sexual harassment at a workplace. That when the minister asks a woman journalist, why are you asking me a question? Did PJ Korean do the same to you? It's harassment at a workplace, the Supreme Court, they're very strict laws. How can just an apology be enough? Well, Sonia, I'm very optimistic. I'm very glad that people are asking questions. I mean, earlier, whether it was a minister or any other well-known public servant, they would get away with uh, bloody murder. And it's not happening anymore. And, you know, Mr. Ravi is a very seasoned politician, uh, not, not somebody who's associated with making such kind of casual, disparaging remarks. And I'm glad he's been pulled up. He's apologized for it. He I hasn't, mean, that's the best I he he hasn't been pulled up, actually. Who's he been pulled up by? He's value. only been pulled up by the media. No, I, I, has he been pulled up by the Congress party? No, no, no. I, 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 th I think the Congress party has... Uh, has condemned that statement as well so I you know but but the critical question is I think all political personalities because they happen to in a great number of ways manifest the society itself they need to understand they're elected by the people and the responsibility continues beyond just occupying an office but even outside and it's all about you know not just gender sensitization it's about the fact that there are some ingrained attitudes that have formed over years and India has changed it's become younger it's more no, vibrant it, it's demanding to no questions I think that was very valid. And, I just and it's not going to be satisfied with the weaker response. No, in fact, that, that's a very valid point. And uh, I want to get in Rahul Bose because I don't want to make this just about one statement because there are a series of such statements. The point is a larger one. It's about, uh, as viewers have written, about gender sensitization. 
gender sensitization of our politicians, gender sensitization of um, men in powerful places. Because the most uh, shocking bit, Rahul, of course, is that we saw the public outrage after the tragic incident which happened in Delhi. Yet, day after day, similar incidents are reported. Uh, more cases come up of, uh, you know, young girls rape, the same apathy with police dealing with them. Uh, fast track courts are moving. But harrowing stories of what uh, victims are made to go through at police stations and at the trial stage. What do you think has changed? We've seen a huge positive movement today, but what was, is actually changing in your perspective? Uh, Sonia, I've been fighting this fight for the last uh, 10 years, gender justice, and I have seen in today's uh, function in Bombay, um, the difference between a, fun a function like this a decade ago and today is that earlier it was 90% women who came for a function like this. Today it was almost 50-50. There were f uh, 45, 50 percent of the audience was men. <clears throat> and the point I tried to make is, I, I even said this at the function, that there can be no fight against violence against women without men being involved in it. So who are the men who are ready and right to be involved in this fight? Uh, tragically, because we have so many rapes, molestations and violence against women, we have a chance to look at the, around a rape victim, a rape survivor, there's a hurt father, there's an angry brother. There's an ashamed uh, uncle. So to look at this constituency of men who are confused, puzzled, angry, and don't know what to do with these feelings, to go to them and make them warriors in this fight would be the first step to get men involved. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you this, whether it's the union minister or whether it's somebody who's your next door neighbor, deep misogyny is entrenched across, is entrenched across the world. And it's not a question of changing mindsets, it's a question of changing behavior sets. Yes. It cannot just be here, it has to be here. People have to treat women differently. And that can only happen if we start with men fighting for this. And the best men to start with are the ones who are what I call the secondary victims of gender violence. And of course, uh, the focus also on lawmakers, the men who are making the laws as well. Let me just go across. We've been talking this whole positivity, the strike, dance strike. Let me just go across uh, to Ketki, who was with uh, the person who's the choreographer of that flash mob dance we just began this segment with. Ketki, dance. Dance as a motif, as a uh, metaphor, really, for overcoming this whole bias against women. Uh, go ahead. Well, of course, from a city uh, like Delhi, where almost every woman has some or the other horror story to tell, is comes this flash mob. Young girls, happy feet. You'll have been up on your feet all day. Very happy to say, Jago Re Jago. What is the concept behind this? And, you know, you've seen how things have uh, shaped up through the day and the response that you have got to your flash mob as well. This flash mob is essentially an awareness flash mob that we want to raise awareness against gender-based violence. We want people to really stand up and stop being silent and make a change, make a change within themselves. As citizens of this country, take, take responsibility to challenge patriarchal mindsets that we see in society and eradicate the very root cause of the culture of violence that exists. The response today has been overwhelming. We've seen people from different sections of society, men, women alike, people from every background, every age, all coming together and finally standing up to say no to gender-based violence. It has been it's been so inspirational and amazing. I think it's truly a mark of change. In fact, uh, all the happy feet that you are, 
very good job done of course to all of you keep up the good work uh, jago re jago as you are going on with it uh, sonia it has really been quite an overwhelming support that all of them have got from all across the city today they've been from yes. jantar mantar to delhi heart now in a mall in delhi certainly it's a campaign that has not just got the support of young girls like these but also prime ministers of at least two countries and from the queen of the carnival to the queen mother of bhutan everyone rising up in this 1 billion rising campaign sonia ketki thanks so much for that and ironically of course we remember that in december it was from this uh, saket where that young girl actually caught that bus the tragic journey uh, farhan uh, zoya uh, last was mute tonight we all talk about rising dancing uh, farhan you wrote a poem today and you've been singing as well your voice today would be great to hear uh, you recite the poem you actually wrote or actually sing if either you or zoya would like to as well add your voices to this campaign um sure if you like me to i can recite the poem great that uh, please go ahead um it's sure uh, it's what is this country that i live in what is this country that i live in with no equality and the quality of life differs from husband to wife boy to girl brother to sister him is uh, are you the same contributing to the national shame replacing your mothers with the bent ideology of another's perception that women have a particular role in society it fills my heart with anxiety where is all of this going what will emerge from the seeds that we're sowing it makes my head spin but i'm not going to give in i'm going to keep asking the question what is this country that i live in i a question i think i'd like to leave all of us with tonight when we look at how to take this revolution as many have termed it beyond today farhan akhtar zoya akhtar rahul bose uh, sanjay chah thank you all very much for joining me tonight it was great to have you on the show and as i said i hope thank the voices you. reach those people in power thank you very much uh, for joining us we'll take a quick break after that anushka shankar speaks out a very powerful video talking about her own personal experience of abuse as she urges other young girls and women to rise up against it thanks very much for watching as a child i suffered sexual and emotional abuse for several years at the hands of a man my parents trusted implicitly growing up like most women i know i suffered various forms of groping touching uh verbal abuse and other things i didn't know how to deal with i didn't know i could change and as a woman i find i'm frequently living in fear afraid to walk alone at night afraid to answer a man who asks for the time um afraid i'm going to be judged or treated um in ways based on the way i might choose to dress or the makeup i might choose to wear and you know enough is enough I'm rising with the amazing women of my country who are together calling and saying enough is enough. I'm rising for the child in me who I don't think will ever fully recover from what happened to her. So let's transform ourselves, let's transform this world. Let's rise together.